You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Greenville teaching pastor, Matt Humphrey. Man, uh, it, is, it is so incredibly encouraging to be with you guys this morning uh, back in Greenville. Um, as, as Dean was so graciously saying, um, we, we got to be a part of renovation from the very beginning, got to do student ministry for years, and um, this past year we've been planted in Greenville, um, where God has, has called us to, to establish Renovation Church and in Greenville. And so it's, uh, for those that haven't got to meet, I, I know there's so many new faces here. Um, man, I, I would love to meet you later. But uh, it, is, it is just really, really cool to see all that God is doing. And one, uh, we, we believe in honor, and I just want you to know that um, from, from us in Greenville, it is an honor to get to do church together as one church, but two churches, if that makes sense. Um, and, and what you need to know is from behind the scenes that, that Pastor Jeremy truly does equip us. Like he, he champions us, he encourages us, and he doesn't lord it over us um, in any way, shape, or form. And so it's just, it's so cool to, to be on the same team and to work together. And so um, I'm just, I'm just like, this is awesome. I, I love being here. Um, hey, we, so we, uh, if you don't know this, we actually teach in the same series um, at the same time. Different messages, but we usually package it up together in the same series. And so we just wrapped up our First Things First series as well, talking about spiritual disciplines and talking about priorities in the kingdom. And uh, so if anything, I just kind of want to put a, a, a footnote at the end of that today, a, a message that the Lord put on my heart that I wanted to share here. Um, as we look at that, uh, we, we talked about this idea that the majority of conflict in our lives stems from mismanaged priorities. Uh, in fact, the theologian St. Augustine said this, uh, he said that what we consider human virtues, like courage, honesty, are essentially forms of love. He said, courage is loving your neighbor's well-being more than your own safety. Honesty is loving someone enough to tell them the truth, even if it may put you at a disadvantage. Like, hey, you got bad breath, you got something in your teeth. You know, I love you enough to say that. Sin, Augustine said, is ultimately a lack of love, either for God or for your neighbor. He said that the essence of sin is disordered love. That, that the conflict in our life, when we talk about priorities, we talk about things, is this, it's this idea of disordered love. That we either love the right thing or the wrong thing in the wrong, or the, the right thing in the wrong order. That it's about priorities, it's about order. And so as we wrap this whole thing up, talking about spiritual disciplines, talking about as we follow Jesus, what does that look like? How do we, how do we play that out, right? How does, how does, we're, we're into February. Like, how do we continue with this idea of proper priorities and proper rhythms and in our journey of following Jesus? Three simple points, two passages for you today. The first one is this, is that it's easy to drift when you don't have an anchor. Where's my boating people? Okay, those are all, yep, we're gonna be your friends now, cool. Um, you wanna go fishing, hit one of them up. Uh, it's, it's very simple application, right? You, you put an anchor in the water because it, it holds you where you want to be, right? It's easy to drift when you don't have an anchor. Um, a few weeks ago, we've tried this several times. Um, my wife Ashley does this great, but I, I started trying to log my food 
in like a food diary app. Anyone ever done that struggle? Yeah, that's discouraging, right? I mean, how do, some days I get to the end of it, and I was like, oh, I should have stopped about lunchtime. <laughs> or other days I get to the end, I'm like, I've got 600 more calories? What can I eat, you know? Or you, you grab a little handful of, uh, we're a sucker for peanut butter filled pretzels. Anyone else? Serving size is eight. Eight, like my kids eat more than eight of those things. And it's, it's super like discouraging and encouraging because like at times, sometimes I just find myself not wanting to eat something because I don't feel like logging it. I know that's the essence of laziness. We got a, a depth of problems to discover with that. You're like, oh, I just won't eat it. Um, but when you do that, you start to see like, wow, the little things start to add up. And over, over, over weeks and over months, like those couple of extra little chocolate chips you throw on your yogurt or, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, like they stack up. And, and the practice of like looking at it gives you this opportunity to kind of put some fence posts, put some anchors in to see where you're at. Now, most the reality is, is that we, we talked about spiritual distance. We talked about worship. We talked about prayer. We talked about seeking first the kingdom and all those things. Those are great. Those are important. But one of the most dangerous things that can happen for you and I as we follow Jesus is that we can do all the right things. But a dangerous spot for you and I to get in is when we start doing all those things simply out of habit and not out of heart. That's when things become a checkbox. When our time with the Lord becomes a check. When our attendance on Sunday becomes a check. When we serve in church to be a check. When we write a check to be a check. When we, when we do all the things and they're just check boxes. Uh, when we're following Jesus, but not loving Jesus. Because the, the reality is, is that even in navigation, one degree makes a massive difference. Like if we were to travel one foot and we're slightly like one degree off of target, like that's not a lot. It's like 0.2 inches is you're going to end off target. But if you, if you continue to, to go on your journey, uh, if you go 100 yards, you're going to be off by five feet. If you go a mile, you'll be off by 92 feet. You're like, that's kind of in the same direction, right? It's not really a big deal. But if you keep going, if you were to travel from San Francisco to Washington, D.C., you'd be off by 42 miles, which is basically on the other side of Boston. If you were to travel to the moon in a rocket, you'd miss the moon. No, you wouldn't. You would miss the moon by over 4,000 miles, twice the diameter of the moon. If you were to head to the sun, you'd miss it by 1.6 million miles. And if you were to travel to the closest star, one degree off of where, you're in, where you want to go, you'd miss that star by 441 billion miles. So one degree is a big deal, right? Because in a, in a course of a lifetime, just a simple shift, and you're like, this is super discouraging. I'm bad with directions. <laughs> what I'm saying is our, our life needs a constant course correction all the time. And, and so I, I pray that as we open up God's word today, that today would be one of those course corrections, that we would see that, hey, we can do the right things, but if we don't do them for the right reasons, we're one degree off. So I want, I want to take us, and, and here's the thing. It's not just, I'm going to muster up the strength to love Jesus more. Like, I'm going to like lay an egg or something. I'm going to just try harder and, and, and just love Jesus more. Because you've done that. I've done that, and it hasn't worked. 
but it's about putting ourselves in the right posture, in the right position. So if you have your Bible with you, uh, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 2 um, as we unpack God's Word. We're going to start in verse 1. Uh, we always talk about context. There's not enough time for context this morning, um, but simplified, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, simplified, basically, uh, to unpack, we don't have time to unpack all of it, but the book of Revelation, this is a, a revelation of John. He's, he's, he's on the island of Patmos and he has a revelation from Jesus uh, about writing these letters to the, to the churches in the province of Asia. And so we're gonna uh, pick up with the letter from Jesus to the church in Ephesus, starting in verse one. God's word says this. It says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. This is starting out really good, right? If you're getting a report card, this is starting out well. Your yearly review, this is starting out good. Compliment from your spouse, this is starting out good, right? Hey, I've seen all you do, your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. That's another good thing. You've examined the claims of those that say they are apostles but are not. You've discovered they're liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. This is going really well, right? Verse four. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Right? They were doing things well, right? He's like, check mark, check mark, check mark, check mark. Mm, we got to address this. Now, if we kind of back things up, like uh, back to when Paul was first in Ephesus, and this is a really important city. It's like a thousand year old city, about a half million people live in the city. Um, had four major trade routes that went through the city of Ephesus. Um, they were known for their devotion and uh, was a, the place of the temple to their god, Artemis. They would worship. It was a massive temple. In fact, I got a picture of what the temple, they believe it looked like. I mean, huge. And so there was silversmiths and, and shrine makers and, and all of these professions within the city that had to do with the worship of their god, Artemis key to wealth and to commerce. And if you look, uh, actually you can read it in Acts 19 when Paul went to Ephesus. Um, he's there for a couple of years. He's, he's preaching the gospel. Um, he's seeing people get healed. He's, he's casting out demons. And, and all these people who are worshiping the shrine, they're like, are worshiping at this temple. They don't like it because their livelihood is at stake. And so they, so they start a riot and they, they fill up this amphitheater with like 24,000 people that it could hold. And, and they're like, hey, we need to bring these people out. We need to drive them out of the city. But there was so much zeal in the people who started following Jesus in this city that those that, that practiced witchcraft or, or had uh, spell books, they, they actually had this massive book burning in the middle of the city, it was estimated between one to $5 million worth of books were burned. 
all these people saying, hey, my old life is, is gone. We serve the Lord. And you know what that temple looks like today? Here's what actually remains of the temple. That's it. Kingdoms will come and go. Powers will come and go, but the word of the Lord endures forever. God's kingdom cannot be shaken. So riot breaks out, right? He's like, hey, you guys are, are great. Like you, you first started out, you guys were on the right path, but, but over time something's happened. He even said, look, he said, I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've patiently suffered, but you don't love me like you used to. Now this isn't like Jesus being like petty middle school relationship here, okay? It's like you don't, you don't hold my hand on the playground. No, no, no. There, there's a depth here. He's like, the way that you used to love me, the passion, the, the zeal, like it's, it's gone. Uh, Ash and I, we, we started dating um, at the ripe age of 16, uh, back in high school. Um, and I've got, I've got an old map picture to show you just for your entertainment. This was uh, back then. That's not a shadow on my chin. That was a, uh, yeah, let's just leave it there. Uh, this is another one for your enjoyment. This is, I got stung by a bee. That's why I was swollen. No, um, um, you're just, I'm here to make you feel better about yourself. Uh, so we, we started dating in, in, in high school and to say to return to the way that I first fell in love with my wife would actually be a regression in my love for her. Because we, we've been through some stuff. Like we, we've been through ups and downs. We, we've been through life. We've, we've been through, like we have three kids. I mean, she had the kids. I was there to support, you know? But like we, we've walked through grief. We've walked through death. We've walked through a lot of situations. And over the years, our, our love has grown in depth and maturity. And so to actually return back to the way I first love her would actually be lesser than I love her now. So for Jesus to say, hey, you don't love me like you used to, says one of two things. It says, one, that there's a serious problem. But maybe the other, the other thing is that it's not just you forgot, but you've forsaken, you've left, you've abandoned the way that you used to love me. The same is true in the way we follow Jesus, right? Is that at one point we can probably all look back on our life when we got saved or shortly thereafter when Jesus was everything. When, when, when everything revolved around our relationship with him and what he did for us. And as time grew on, sometimes we, we, we ebb and flow, we, we go off course, we get back on course, but there's seasons where we say, I just, it, it's, it's, it's not like it used to be. And what we have to do is we have to get ourselves back to the place. Yes, they had good sound theology. Yes, they did the right things. They went to church. They were known for, for how they like, wanted truth. But if the heart's not there, then what's the point? You can have deeds all day long, but if there's not desire, if there's not love, then what are we doing? We're just playing church. And none of us wanna do that, right? None of us just wanna check a box, play church. We all want to see the Lord do more and more and more in our lives. Uh, this quote from Pastor John Piper said that, 
that God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. If you think about it, the, the times in our life when we are most satisfied in Jesus, there's a byproduct that happens in our life when the works that we do, the things that we discipline ourselves where God is, is most glorified. So leads us to the second thing, is that the what can easily distract us from the why. The what we do can easily distract us from why we do it. Right? There's, there's, there's always things to do. Like we, we've got, yes, the, the habits, the disciplines, those things are great. They're fine. And sometimes we have to do them to posture our heart in a way that we reap the benefit. Does that make sense? Like sometimes in worship, like you don't feel like worshiping, but sometimes like even David's like, hey, soul, get up, have a Red Bull, praise the Lord. Like, like do something, praise God. And when we posture ourselves, I believe that, that God rewards that obedience and there's a byproduct of it that happens that we fall more and more in love with who he is. But sometimes we can let the, the what become so much more important than why we are doing it. So if you have your Bible with you still, flip backwards, we're gonna be in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10 um, as we kind of bring this all together is that the what can distract us from the why. Very well-known passage of scripture um, this is the, the story of Mary and Martha. Uh, we're going to start uh, Luke 10, uh, verse 38. I'll give you a second to flip there. Verse 38 of Luke chapter 10. It says, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Now, this is understandable, right? This is like if you grew up in, in, a, in a family and had siblings, every sibling has this ingrained ability to know how much work the other sibling has to do. Or maybe that's just my family, right? or how much chocolate milk the one got versus me. It's like, they've got like a, a, a chemistry set out to like measure how much chocolate milk is in one glass. Like, siblings do this. I'm pulling all the weight, you're not doing anything. Now to me, I'm like, yeah, it's a problem. She's in the kitchen cooking, she's slaving away and you're just sitting there doing nothing, lazy. And she's like, I, I need to do something about this. All right, let's continue, I digress, sorry. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Now, think about this for a moment. Let's put ourselves in, in the setting, right? This wasn't just like some chicken nuggets in the air fryer, okay? This wasn't just set it and forget it. We're gonna eat in a little bit. Uh, estimates were that in order to um, have enough bread for a family of five, required three hours of manual labor to like thresh the wheat, to mill the wheat, to knead the dough, to build a fire, to bake the bread. Three hours for bread. When was the last time you spent three hours on a meal, okay? Like this is hard work. This is a lot of effort that's going into it. Now I am, I am probably at times the most guilty with this. I'm a detail person. Details matter, right? All my detail people, did I get any nods? Cool. 
preparation, like this is important. Like when was the last time you cooked a dinner for Jesus? Okay, you've had some cool people come into your home, but not the son of God, right? This is an important dinner. This is, you got napkins folded, you got all this stuff. Like this is, you look at the work of Martha and you're like, that's a great thing. Jesus values hospitality, he values hard work. How could he not be appreciative of Mary, I mean of Martha cooking a meal? And you can almost hear, like if this was in the South, Martha would be in the kitchen like, "Ah, well I guess somebody's gotta make the cornbread. No, 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 I'll do it. You just, the, 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 the passive aggressive like sighs from the kitchen. And finally, it wasn't enough. And so she goes and tattles to Jesus, like, Jesus, can you please help me out here? My lazy sister's just sitting here doing nothing while I am preparing everything. Can we tap out? Can we do something? Can we trade? Like Jesus could have just, like, remember the, the bread and the loaves, like the loaves and the fish thing? Like he could have just, but what's interesting is the moment when, when she's like, I mean, Jesus is gonna defend me in this. His response was, hey, there's one thing and she's chosen what's most important. You also have to realize that for the, the posture of learning from a rabbi was to sit at their feet. Women were not allowed to do that. No offense. But in the culture and the time, it was, it was that's not something that, so this was, this was taboo, this was controversial. But here she is sitting at the feet of Jesus, soaking up truth and being in his presence, infatuated with who he is. Not worried about all of the things to do, but more concerned with Jesus, being right in front of her. Realize there's three main types of people uh, when it comes to following Jesus. There's those that are like Mary. God bless you, you can do both, you can multitask, you can sit at Jesus' feet, you can prepare, you can do both at the same time. There's some like Martha. This is weird to say that I feel like a Martha, that's weird. Uh, But we can get so caught up in the things and what has to be done and checking the boxes and we can maybe even focus so much more on the work to be done instead of actually the one we're doing it for. Or there's those that don't do either. Here's some practical ways to remind your heart, right? So how do, how do, we, how do we get to this? One, practical ways is you get up in the morning and you read God's word. Like you actually like do it. And the more you do it, the more you actually want to do it. Now granted, when you set your alarm early to wake up, there's not gonna be moments where you're like, bless the Lord, I'm so glad it's 4 a.m., okay? There's gonna be moments when you're like, I'm hitting the snooze button seven more times, okay? You don't always feel like it. And, and, and thank the Lord that our relationship with God is not just based on feelings. God gave us feelings as indicators and as, as a way for us to express life, never to lead our lives because feelings will always fail you, right? But spend time in God's word. Here's another thing. Worship, not just here on Sunday mornings or or, or Wednesday nights, but worship on your own. If all you get, rather, if all you give him is three songs or maybe three and a half, maybe four, depends on the Sunday, 
in your whole week, you're going to be dry. But worship is a chance to give back the very breath that he gave us, to thank him for all that he's done, to, to posture our heart. Here's another very basic one. When, if we find ourselves in a, in, a, in a moment where like, it just seems stale, it seems cold, it seems like we just don't, are not like madly in love or just like in awe of who God is, here's a very thing that we can all do is remember the gospel. I know that sounds like, sounds cliche, sound, we say that enough. Remember where you were before you met Jesus. Like dig into the archive of that. Remember that there was a moment in which you were dead. I was dead in sin. An enemy of God. Didn't deserve it, could do nothing to earn it, but God, so rich in mercy, by the blood of Jesus on the cross, forgave us of our sins. A great way to soften our hearts is to just remember the gospel. Remember what he did for you and I. And when we keep that at the forefront of what we do, we're just like, God, you're awesome. Like, I wouldn't have saved me, but you did. We repent. And lastly, number three, we need to remember that an empty cup can't pour anything. We, we don't do things in order to earn God's love. We don't do things to be loved, but because we are loved, there's things that we want to do. Like it's a, it's a byproduct. It's not, it's not an, an equation. It's not if we do these certain things. If I get up this morning, I read my Bible. I, I turned on my worship music on the way to work. I had even like a little afternoon devotional. I went to church. I served. I texted somebody. God's at the end of the day like, you did well. I am so impressed. No, like we, we do these because we love the Lord. We know the ways of the kingdom. We know that, that God is the author of life. And, and so if I model my life and I posture my heart in a way that he says is the best way to do it, guess what? There's, there's blessing and reward that are a byproduct of that. We don't do things to earn his love. And here's a couple of ways I look at this. Because we pour out and we pour out and we pour out to our family, to our friends, to our coworkers at church. Like, like the world around us, we, we try to pour out. There's a couple of ways to look at this. One, there's, there's the overfillers. It is the, uh, I call it the, the consumer Christian. Right? We come and we, we just want to be filled and we just want to be in the presence of God and we want to worship. And, and not, not just because we love him, but because we, and we don't ever go anywhere. So like our cup is running over. We're just like, we, we don't go out and, and love the world. It's not about really love at the end of the day. It's just about an experience. Or it's, it's those that it's like, you're so dry spiritually that the only drop of water in the cup is the hour a week on Sunday mornings. And may I just implore you, you're gonna always be thirsty unless you drink from the well. You're going to always feel like there's something lacking unless you discipline yourself to be in God's word. 
and, and the drop you get on Sundays, it's great for a minute, but as soon as you get into the parking lot, I've heard some stories. It's gone, but it's, it's because all you're doing spiritually is the only nourishment you're getting is, is an hour a week. We're not meant to live that way. God didn't desire for you to live your life that way, dry and hungry and thirsty. He says, come to me. And the others is, is like this idea of kind of like this bucket brigade. It's like, we fill and pour, we fill and we pour. And it's just like, we're doing it out of, out of obligation. We, we, we fill ourselves and we, we, we pour out and then we've got nothing left. And, and it's just like continual thing. But the way that I believe he's desired for us to live our lives is this continual overflow. We spend time with the Lord and, and out of an abundance of what he does, we have something to give the world. We read God's word and we're encouraged and out of that we have encouragement to give to other people. We, receive, we realize that we received mercy and so we're able to extend mercy to other people. It's out of the overflow. We, we, we continue to spend time in God's presence not because we have to, because we get to. Here's the reality. God is the only one that will ever satisfy. He is. Like I remember growing up, you think like, man, as soon as I graduate high school, that's gonna be it. I've arrived. And then you got your first grown up bill. And you're like, I wanna go back to school. Right, that was, and then you're like, you know what? When I graduate college or, or, or uh, when I get a real job and then you have to deal with people and you have a boss or, or maybe you thought like when I get married, that's when I'm going to have complete satisfaction. That's when it's going to be perfect. And you know why it's not? Because you're in the marriage and I'm in the marriage and we're imperfect people. And you put two imperfect people together, guess what? There's still going to be stuff. It's still going to be imperfect. But as you follow Jesus together, he continues to work on us. Or you're like, one day when I have my own house, that's when like, I'm going to be satisfied. Just two weeks ago, my garbage disposal broke. And like, I open it up, and like the electrical cord that comes out, water's coming out of that spot. And I'm like, I'm not a plumber or an electrician but those two usually don't mix, okay? If this is a union job, there'd be two trades here, okay? Uh, and my, my refrigerator just started to just, hey, you, the floor wants water. <laughs> Not just dribble, it just says, hey, I'm gonna shoot out water for 10 seconds. Hope you're ready to clean up. It's still doing it, I gotta fix it. I've got a tubware under it right now. I hope it's not filling up. And then you get a house and you realize I gotta fix stuff, it breaks all the time. Or when you retire, that's when it's gonna be, I'm gonna have all the free time in the world. <laughs> the retired people are laughing right now because every retired person I talk to, they're like, I'm more busy that I'm retired. I wanna have a job again so I can say no. Here's the, <laughs> here's the deal. No stage in life will ever bring you satisfaction. No thing on earth will ever bring you satisfaction. C.S. Lewis said this, he said, if I find within myself a desire that nothing in this world can ever satisfy, the only possible conclusion is I was not meant for this world. 
and you will be longing and you will be wanting and you will be dissatisfied always on this side of heaven other than in Christ Jesus. So here's my, my, my thought, my challenge. We're actually going to respond today in worship. But what is it that has replaced or gotten in the way of your first love? Sometimes it's a daily thing that we have to do. It's a daily discipline. It's a daily dethroning. It's a daily what's most important. And we can do the steps. Bible studies are great. Rooted's awesome. Reengaged is amazing. Serving. Serving changed my life. Worship is powerful. These things are important and they're, they're like awesome. They're great. But if our heart is not tethered to them, what are we doing? So if you actually stand to your feet, I want to pray for us. And then we're going to, just in a posture of surrender before the Lord. Let's pray, Father, we, we adore you. And may I be first and foremost in this room to say there is so many seasons I look back on my life and to say that you weren't my first love. Times when other things, relationships, or jobs, or things to do became more important than the one I was doing them for. God, you don't want robots. You call us sons and daughters, not slaves, not puppets. Lord, may we live lives where we are captivated by the gospel, or we are captivated by the love that you lavished on us by your death, burial, and resurrection. And God, as a response of, of, of that love that we reciprocate back to you, God, that we would prioritize our lives correctly, that we would serve wholeheartedly, not because we have to, but because we get to. We get to worship. We get to read your word. We get to lift our voices. We get to be a part of what you're doing. Lord, let us get back to the place where you were everything. So God, may you be honored and may you be glorified through our worship, through our surrender, through our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.